0: Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Oh, it's Kevin's Corner. It's Masters Week. Chris Presley wearing his green. Kevin Bowen wearing his green. Uh, You can't see that, but just believe it. Feel it. Smell the azaleas. (laughs) Feel the birds chirping. Uh, to say I am excited would be an understatement, Chris Presley. I've said this before, and I feel safe in saying this because I believe my my younger brother-in-law, I've got two brothers-in-law, uh, only one of them listens to the podcast on a consistent basis. Ross. Ross has filled yep. in for you before. It yep. does a wonderful job. Uh, you know, April 14th, you know, big day in the golf world. Tiger, April 14th, 2019, uh, wins the Masters. You know, the year before, I got engaged on April 14th, 2018. Chris You kind of put the lie detector on me And said which April 14th was bigger I'd like to think I'd say 2018 but
1: I know the true answer
0: (laughs) Gosh boy I really hope Maddie isn't you know hey I'm going to listen to Kevin's Corner this week just you know Spur of the moment I really hope Ross can kind of Keep this in the golf family You know with that comment as well Um, Nonetheless here we are we're back First week of April Um, We'll talk a whole lot of yeah, I feel like it's kind of the sweet spot of we're halfway in between free agency and the draft. You know, yes. we're kind of three weeks removed from free agency as we record this on Wednesday morning. And we're about three weeks out from the draft. Yeah. So kind of a state of the offseason, if you will, at this point. Uh, we'll give our master's picks to close out the show. And um, how you been, man? I've
1: been I've been doing well. Good. Good. Um, as we look out the window right now on this dreary Wednesday morning. Uh, <laughs> other than that, Hell, spring is starting to come around. What's the weather supposed to be like this weekend for the Masters? Do you so know? I
0: know it's a little dicey yesterday. Um, I think they only got out there yesterday morning. I think today is kind of gloomy as well. But I think fairly decent, not super hot. Um, Perfect. You know, part of me would like a little bit warmer for Tiger. Um, but at the same time, he got the right draw. He got the morning draw tomorrow on Thursday and got the afternoon draw on Friday. And I speak 98% with my heart, 2% with my head. The 2% with my head legitimately thinks Tiger can finish top 15, top 20.
1: Nothing wrong with that. Especially for when did he decide? Because it was it was coming down to the wire, uh, yeah, right? Yeah,
0: I mean, that's a great point. Um, yeah, very much down to the wire. I mean, I think a lot of people even close to him didn't think a month ago he was doing this. But, you know, I saw a great comment, David Faraday, who's kind of a golf, yep. kind of a comedian as well. Um, you know, one of golf analysts, he basically said to John Feinstein, you know, long sports media person, basically said to him back in February, Tiger will play because he can't resist the urge not to. You can probably use the phrase resist the urge in a whole lot of things with Tiger, but that is so true when it comes to him in this tournament. I mean, it's so true with him and winning in general, right. major championships in general, but the dude in my opinion maybe more so than any other athlete certainly tiger or certainly jordan brady you can go even to generations before ours as well um i don't know if anyone has craved winning and ripping the heart out of an opponent more than he has maybe it looks more because it's golf and you don't really think of golf in that sense but that's how he's wired and that's why he is out there
1: i'm uh as a, as a not a diehard golf fan, as you know and listeners of the podcast know, one of the one of the things that I need to look into one of my favorite things that they release is what the menu is for the dinner. Yeah,
0: Hideki <laughs> Hideki Matsuyama had it last night. Okay, uh, heavy Japanese flair, right? To it, um, am I saying it right? Is it wagyu? Wagyu. Wagyu. Wagyu, wagyu beef? beef. Yep. Um, I believe that was kind of I've seen
1: wagyu on a few. That's a very nice cut. Menu. Yeah, I yeah. was going to say, that's
0: usually a cut. I'm kind of like, oh, boy, yeah, I'll take uh, yeah, your ground chuck. Um, but, yeah, it had a Japanese flair to it. I think uh, Jordan Spieth was very happy he mentioned that as well. So, yeah, Champions Dinner last night, and then obviously the tournament beginning on Thursday. All right, enough golf talk until the end. Uh, let's talk Colts free agency, Chris. Yes. And, you know, there's a lot of ways we can go to it. It's not a ton of direction, but basically I just kind of wanted to state of the – off season at this point, um, I, I, I'm a bit confused by things right now. Um, there are names out there, certainly still, but I'm a bit confused by how the Colts have operated so far. You know, I obviously, you guys know that I disagree with Chris Bowers' approach to the start of free agency when you have the opportunity to get some kind of B, high B level players. Right, um, him sitting out that part, he's explained before. Again, I don't agree with it, but I at least see his statements. The fact that, you know, we're now three weeks into this and he's let a lot of, I don't know, a lot might be too much, but several in-house guys leave that I thought could return, and he hasn't really supplemented that with Mm -hmm. any other signings. That is where it's kind of head-scratching for me. Because, again, that goes against kind of how he has really operated in free agency. And I think the thing that stands out to me the most is, again, I have stated that mid-March to late-March, that's the time to find the most proven talent in the office. There's a reason Eric Fisher was available in May. There's a reason why those guys are still on the board the deeper you get into spring, summer, etc. Doing things differently when the results have not been what you want them to be is wise and is smart. But at the same time, You look at the draft in three weeks, Chris, the Colts are not in a position this offseason that they have been in past offseasons where you've seen, oh, you know, it's okay. They're going to have five draft picks in the first 120 spots or something like that to where you get to the draft, you're going to throw a bunch of darts at the board, like 2018, for example, when they had those four, I think it ended up being four second round picks. Well, Tyquan Lewis and Kamoko Terry would fall into the miss category. Um, you know, Lewis, you know, health has contributed, but just for the sake of argument, they haven't panned out. But Darius Leonard and Braden Smith have unquestionably worked. And so, like, when you have four or five chances at it in the first three or four rounds, you can find a couple of very quick impact guys. You're probably going to find a couple that are going to be slower developing or or just misses. That's fine. That's part of the draft. But you look at it right now, what, you've got two picks in the first 100 and whatever it is, 120? Yeah. You know, you just have that second and that third. Right. And your quarterback is a need. And left tackle's a need. And wide receiver's a need. And tight end, and depending on how you look at things, maybe secondary. Like, that is where it is extra confusing to me of like, man, you got the $20 million cap space. The results haven't been there. But even if you just look at the resources at – your availability When you talk about the draft It hasn't been there for you um, You know Matt Ryan and Yannick Ngakweger help this football team out a whole lot In the one score game certainly But supporting Ryan In particular I think is something in question um, I was kind of playing around With numbers Before our morning show today Chris And These are some of the guys walking out the door and the starts they had last season. And I want to make this very clear. Some of these guys did not play the level of football that you wanted them to play. Some guys should not be in your future plan. Some of them should. But I think it's just a reminder of the playing time you're losing. And then have people start to think about, okay, where are you going to replace that? Some of these guys are still free agents, I should mention. They could right. you know, possibly come yeah. back. Chris Reed, 6 starts. Eric Fisher, 15 starts. al Muhammad 17. George Odom, 7. T.Y. Hilton, 9. Zach Paschal, 13. Xavier Rhodes, 13. Mark Glowinski, 14. Your kicker is still out there, Michael Badgley, as well. So that's what? 80-ish starts. I don't know. Six. I, I don't know. I'm trying to do it off the top of my head. It, it seems like a big number. A very good amount. And the guys that you so far have signed, and again, I'm not putting Carson Wentz and Rocky Scene in that. I'm not, I'm not putting the trade guys in Yeah.
1: There.
0: Brandon Faison, 13 starts, and Armani Watts, oon start. Are there guys in, in-house like Danny Pinter that you expect? To you know, certainly take a yeah, like and again, Pinter on paper, it makes sense to me, but um, some of the others are a bit head scratching to me.
1: Um, what's the what do you who do you think is the biggest one that we've let walk that you thought we would bring back?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Um,
1: and again, like you said, just breaking down the numbers, I know there are multiple that. Played a lot of games for us. Some of them yeah, in your article, I, you you listed that they we would probably let walk, but there's some that you thought we might bring yeah, back. I'd
0: probably put Chris Reed on that list just because it would improve your depth. I don't know how much it changes your your starting five looks like, but you know that's kind of my thing is if you make another move at left tackle, mm-hmm. now all of a sudden Matt Pryor could be your sixth offensive lineman. Matt Pryor could start right guard. You know he has some experience there. Um, if you bring back Chris Reed, you know Danny Pinter can be the utility. I think something we got to keep in mind of this O line is. Chris, it's not the same durable Anthony Costanzo-led unit that it was when Philip Rivers came here in 2020. Correct. And this, dude, it's freaking hard, and now I sound like Ballard. It's freaking hard to keep your O-line together, keep them healthy, and do it for longer than, what, two years, three years? That's just not realistic. Think back to 2020 and where the line is now. Costanzo, of course, is gone. Quentin Nelson's had three surgeries. Ryan Kelly's had some injuries start to pile up. Even Braden Smith has had a couple of just kind of odd, really, injuries that have sidelined him. Uh, Nothing too, too crazy, but some that have popped up. So, um, and again, that's against Ballard's M.O. It just some of the Ballard core philosophies, all of a sudden I don't see him necessarily sticking with or the ones that I probably disagreed with. He's even gone further on, which – doesn't really check that box. I thought Stephen Holder made a really interesting point earlier today in saying that. I'll just read Stephen's tweet. There are a growing number of agents out there who have told me that the Colts are being way too stingy on spending. I can't speak to why that is, though some have theories, but regardless of the why, it is what it is at this point. I saw that. Kind of goes back to a lot of questions we've gotten since – Free agency started, Chris. Of how much does the lack of a quarterback play into how attractive of a spot you are? I think when all things are even for a pass catcher, it could be a tiebreaker. But dudes signed to play in Detroit and Jacksonville and wherever else on an annual basis, and you need to make sure that you show them proper value. Again, especially when your own guys, you're you're letting kind of walk. Yeah. I thought the Danico Autry thing was such a mistake last offseason for many reasons, but I think it was another one when you have a guy in-house that has exceeded, I think, expectations. Aren't those the people that you're supposed to reward? Like, what is that message sending to your locker room? Ballard always says that. Right. I thought the Autry one sent the wrong message, and I think some agents clearly are starting to realize, like, We'll get into talks with the Colts, but we know where the value is. Um
1: But how is that chips all in, you know? right and, right. and
0: again, Ursay, that was a ludicrous statement and and should have never been said. Um Ursay meant it more of just how in we've gotta be all in to the operation in the sense of we gotta work hard and we've gotta, you know, be committed and work in the spring and all that. Free agency is weird. It's not normal business. And I think you just have to accept that if you're in a general manager managerial role. You've got to realize that you're walking into the store and you can't dictate those prices, and there's not other stores to necessarily shop at with the same exact value. You know, you can't go across the street and say, oh, yeah, gas over there is, you know, whatever, 405 right now instead of 415 you know, something like that, like— it's just not how it operates. If you pay for the 405, you're probably going to get 405 type results. I know gas isn't exactly the, the best analogy to use. It's but like
1: when uh, when we were kids. Did you ever have an uh, elementary school around Christmas time? Your parents would give you like 20 bucks, and then you would go – you would have like a little Christmas market at your yeah. school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'd have to get so many gifts for the family, so you had to decide, okay – I can only spend five bucks on this yeah, person. Yeah, kind of a math game a little <laughs> yeah, bit. Yeah, right. yeah,
0: you're you're building your own team, if you will, with a salary cap. Yeah. It's just, um, you know, it just seems to be... Boy, you'll love to see the... I'm sure the financials of the Ballard House, I'm sure it's high and tight and kept in a very <laughs> nice... That's a clean-looking checkbook if they're still operating a, a, under those uh, watches there. Um, it just... Um, I don't think it sends the right message to the rest of the league when they're trying to attract people. I don't think it sends the right message internally either because, again, you've had shortcomings, and you don't have the draft capital um, that you would like or you have had in past off seasons. Um, And I go back to something about, well, you know, when you don't have a quarterback, you know, you're unable to attract wideouts. Again, I think that's largely a myth. I think Ballard's M.O. and his track record of that position speaks for itself. And it's not just free agency, Chris. What about a trade for Amari Cooper? What about a trade for Robert Woods? We saw another one in the AFC this past week. What about Devontae Parker going to the, the Patriots as well? Um, those are some things that, again, I just don't. Don't agree with. Um, yeah. If I'm making a need list right now, in some order, I'd put on there two wideouts, I'd put a tight end on there, I'd put another defensive back, ideally a versatile one. The Watts signing, you know, to me, Armani Watts is like, it's probably a bit too much to call him a George Odom. George Odom played nearly a thousand snaps in his time here. I think Watts has played like two hundred something, three hundred something. Yeah. So. Um, I don't want to go there yet. I don't think we've seen him enough on defense to truly know. Um, and I would say tight end. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it right. Tight end and yep. what, probably two offensive linemen? You know, definitely one. I think you need a tackle. Um, so, yeah, I, um, I've um, i always said all along that you've just got to kind of swallow your pride when it comes to some of free agency. Am I calling for a 2013-2015 Ryan Grickson spending spree? No. Absolutely not. But when the results have been that, you couple in the draft picks, you couple in supporting Matt Ryan, another new quarterback, um, I think you've got to make some sacrifices and deviate and alter your plan. It's not like you've got a rookie contract quarterback sitting in your building and you've got to pay him $200 million coming up. Right. Quentin Nelson's going to get a nice extension. It's going to be healthy. That's about it. Healthy, I should say, hefty, probably. Um, <laughs> Both. I guess healthy, too. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of stay to the offseason at this right. point, Chris. Um, if you've got anything else, f- feel free. Um,
1: no, I, I'm just I'm patiently waiting to see how things unfold. Like you said with Stephen Holder's tweet, a lot of us are – everyone who listens to this podcast, we're all just kind of waiting. We're yeah. waiting to see what, with the, the restructure, which we'll get to in Twitter, questions from Matt Ryan – how does that help? Um, the Tyron Matthew noise around Watts has been um, already very vocal on Twitter. I don't know if you've, yeah. if you've followed him. I but know. I was like, oh, boy. he a shot <laughs> at me
0: because I, 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 I kind of made a reference there. For those that don't know what Chris is referring to, Armani Watts wears number 23. And, you know, I tweeted something to the effect of, like, exactly the former chief safety every Colts fan thought would be. <laughs> coming to Indianapolis uh, referencing Tyron Matthew and I don't think Armani Watts like that which totally get that um, but I would say the resumes speak for themselves yes with those two players there so uh, we'll see how April you know I certainly expect some other moves I don't expect anything super notable um, but uh, we'll see how things happen and we'll start to get more into the draft you yes. know, we're obviously going to get closer to the draft and so we'll get more into that as well I know some people have been asking about Beers with Bowen and things like that. I think we're going to make a slight kind of adjustment to that this year, incorporate our morning show, Kevin and Query, with that. So when more details come out about that, we'll uh, keep you posted there. But look for something kind of that week leading into the draft, and we'll let you know when we have more more stuff on that.
1: All right. You want to jump into Twitter questions? Let's do it, man. Not too many this week, but a lot of good ones and a lot of uh, key details. First one comes from Rodney. Do you feel the Matt Ryan contract reconstruction was done deliberately to sign an existing free agent or just to soften the blow for Quentin Nelson's potential contract upcoming?
0: Yeah, Rodney, it's probably the the latter. You know, Ballard has been very, very focused on always keeping the flexibility open. Um, You know, it's interesting, though, because Matt Ryan's cap hit, I think, is much higher next year. Um, So I thought to myself, you know, can you sign some guys this year? Maybe super front load it. I know it's not ideal, but that might be kind of the, the better route to go with that. Um, so yeah, I would say a little bit of soften the blow for Quentin, but, um, I would say mostly just kind of keeping the flexibility open, like existing free agent. I I, I don't know. I, I, I don't see anyone that jumps off the page of who that would be from talking to people.
1: C. Daly has a question regarding the wide receivers coming up in the draft. If, we are, if these three are still available at 42, who would you like? Sky Moore out of Western Michigan, Christian Watson out of North Dakota State, or John Mechie from Alabama, who did tear his ACL in the SEC championship?
0: Yeah. And then what's his name toward over here, right? In the national title game? Um, Jameson Williams. Yes. Um, gosh, man, that was awful when he went down. Yeah, this is a great question. And these are the questions that we'll start to get into. Sky Moore, a little bit shorter, explosive, nearly 1,300 yards for Western this year. Watson is just freak, size, speed, like, you know, you kind of create a player. Selfishly, I would like to have seen a little bit more dominant at that level. Um, So I think that is something that um, you would like to see. And then Mechie, you know, of course, the Alabama track record, produced at a really really high level um, he's probably the safest which is kind of weird to say coming off the ACL but I think anytime you're projecting guys from a little bit of a lower level you have to point that out right. um, yeah, I, I do like Sky Moore. I, I think he plays a little bit bigger than his size again pretty explosive as well um, he'd probably be the route I would go probably him, Mechie and then Watson You think about Watson again Size and the speed, Chris, it's mouthwatering, But at that level, you really want to see them. I know North Dakota State doesn't necessarily air it out. They build big leads. They don't need to air it out. You would like to see a little bit more dominant play out of hand. I don't know if we saw enough of that.
1: Okay. Fair enough. Let's go to a question from Noah. Hey, Kevin, appreciate all the insight on your Colts coverage that you provide. He lives in Ames, Iowa. So Colts, not very many Colts coverage over there. Read an article in The Athletic about Jim Irsay with the quotes that Ursay claims that Carson Wentz isn't the scapegoat, but he's clearly putting the blame on Wentz if you follow what he's what has been said by Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard. He feels like moving on from Wentz was the correct move, but the offensive line, skill players, and defense as a whole all fell apart at the end of the season. The quotes scream a lack of accountability towards anyone not named Carson Wentz. How concerned are you about the Colts organization as a whole regarding the leadership of the Colts, and are you confident that the roster will get to a championship level? And if so, how far out will they get to that level?
0: Yeah, there's a lot there. Thank you, Noah. Shout out to Ames. I, I've never been to Ames, been to Iowa City. Um, Ames is where Iowa State is. Um, so yeah, thank you, Noah, for that. Um, I, I appreciate that. You know, I think you're probably still a year or two away, Chris, from potentially you know being there. You know, I always come back to those four to five big time serious positions that need some long term answers. Um, the Went stuff—it just—it continues to be fascinating to me. Ursay says he's not a scapegoat, but then Chris, you can point to like six or seven quotes where it's like, "Holy shit!" You just pretty much said he's a scapegoat without saying that he is. I—I I, just—I don't get it. You know, it just. Um, I don't know if I've made this analogy before, but I feel like Carson Wentz was the new boyfriend that walked in the front door, and you know, whatever he, you know, thought he was spit in the yard, and accidentally spit on 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 the dad's car. Dad's <laughs> pissed. Dad's like, you know. Boy, that's a bad first impression. I'm sorry. I was trying to spit in the yard. The wind blew. I don't know. This sounds like a ridiculous story now that I say it out loud. But you always just got started on the wrong foot. And any little way that you don't walk that fine line, that dad's going to be like, nope, never liked him. And I felt like with Irsay and Wentz and the vaccine decision, that was it. Yeah. I mean, Because I tweet out some of those Irsay quotes last week from last March. And I know some people were like, what else do you expect him to say? The USA quotes were like multiple Lombardies with Carson Wentz, you know, generational type of guy, you know, this and that. I don't believe for one second that Jim Mercy had to be heavily talked into Carson Wentz. That room was not all on the, we'll do everything we can to get Matthew Stafford. They were not there. And you had five, quarterbacks drafting in the top 15 picks you know you could have gone that route when you were drafting 21 overall so um yeah no i i wish i had a little bit more for you on that front but um the ursay Wentz thing i felt like it never had a chance to really have true success
1: fair enough question from hank let's say the colts still had the 16th pick in the draft this year who should they take
0: So sixteen would have been where they would have drafted, right? Yes. Um, And did I just didn't I see Philly, New Orleans kind of had a big trade involving those picks a couple days ago?
1: Um, Was that the trade where it was a bunch of trade, a bunch of picks just back? Like they just swapped a ton of picks.
0: They swapped and some future picks involved there. So um, again, I don't know exactly who has that pick right now. But okay, if you're sitting there at sixteen, well, first, where's Malik Wilson, Kenny Pickett going? Right. I think you start there. Um, you know, what would you do at quarterback? I think a lot of people, you know, is there a tackle in that range would, would also pop into my mind. Obviously wide out. You know, Garrett Wilson from Ohio State.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I think something that would kind of be a little bit of Ballard like do you trade back out of 16 naturally? <laughs> um acquire some, you know, more draft capital and then what about taking Jameson Williams? Out of Ohio State, the guy coming off the ACL who, by all accounts, would have gone you know, top 10. Uh, that would be something that would kind of be interesting to me. But, man, boy, these hypotheticals, Hank, you talk about salt in the wounds. Yeah. And that's where the Wentz trade just was a kick and the you-know-what because when you really need it, and think about everything that I just talked about before Twitter questions, you need draft resources. You know, the 16th overall pick. That'd be, what, the second highest pick this 10 years has had? I mean, hell, if you want to go back years, it would be the second highest pick you've had since luck, if I'm not mistaken. Nelson, right?
1: Is he Nels- the only one above him? Yeah.
0: Unless I'm totally, I think so. Unless I'm totally um, forgetting somebody off the top of my head there. Uh, I think Ryan Kelly was like 18.
1: Yeah, Ryan Kelly was late, late teens.
0: Yeah, so uh, that is just what makes it, you know, again, Salt in the wounds, yeah. Pay was 21, Nelson six, Hooker. Hooker was 15. oh, that's right, Hooker, yeah. Um, so yeah, and that's it going back to luck. And of course, if you want to even go back further than that, it's eons before they drafted that high Dwight Freeney at 11.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting seeing the uh, the ESPN draft or ESPN or NFL uh, network. Ratings locally on night one of the draft. <laughs> yeah, and,
0: and you know, the Colts are 42 overall, which is 10 out at the end of the first. Like, if they wanted to, if someone started to fall and they wanted to get to 30, 31, something like that, it wouldn't be the wildest trade package in the world to do that. I think you see some teams. You'd have to give up a good amount, but I, I, I'm I, not going to totally, totally rule that out just yet. I did compile our first mock draft look Love it for our website. I think there were six picks there at number 42 overall. A lot of offensive picks, as you would expect. But, you know, a lot of it's going to be flavor of the month. You know, you had a couple wide outs. Sky Moore was one of the picks. George Pickens out of Georgia was another one. Uh, you had Sam Howell, the quarterback out of Carolina. So, yeah. Yeah, again, a lot of this is going to be the board chirping at you, certainly, but a lot of it is going to be internal philosophy on where you're at and how they view quarterback. True.
1: All right, Kevin, we got three more. This next one comes from Sean. He says, okay, this might be a stretch, might not. Reports are coming out the players were soured on Carson Wentz on hard knocks. We commended Quentin Nelson for going to Frank Reich and saying, let's keep running the balls and no more RPOs. But do you think that was because he knew that Carson Wentz would throw it every time on an RPO and or check out and throw it instead of run the ball? Curious if you think that Quentin Nelson is one of the players that was soured on Carson Wentz. Thanks, Kevin.
0: Yeah, it's a, that's a good question, Sean. Um, I forgot about that Nelson scene with Reich uh, during the game. Boy, he was speaking for, I think, 60,000 people inside of Lucas yep. Stadium at that time. Um, and we talked about it after that. It's like more of those forced runs, you know, where, okay, he's our best player, 28, Jonathan Taylor. you got to give him the ball, you know. You can make some adjustments at the line if you need to, run left, run right, etc. but... Um, he's got to get it. Nelson's probably a good name. You know, the guy that I thought about as kind of a veteran that spoke up, I'd be willing to bet, Chris, we go back to that Monday Monday um, podcast recap after the Jacksonville game then end the season. T.Y. Hilton after that Jacksonville game, his comments about Carson Wentz. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to have a colleague say that about you. Right. You know, it wasn't like scathing, but I've listened to T.Y. Hilton talk for a decade. I think I know when he's saying something and what that means. Uh, that was pretty damning to me at, at, at that time. Now, obviously, Hilton's a free agent, but he's still extremely respected from a leadership standpoint inside of that locker room there. So, um yeah, I don't know. You got anybody that kind of pops into your mind of, like, you know, players that soured on Wentz? I mean, you look at social media, Leonard, you know, seems to love him. You know, I I don't think it was like this, again, bad human. I think it was just a – I don't believe in him in a huddle sort of feel to it.
1: Yeah, Sean's Sean's question when I read it initially prepping for the show was the first time that – huh. I never thought about that I and like you said I guess it would be someone probably in his own huddle because we all know Darius Leonard's stance I don't think a lot of this came from the COVID stuff yeah you can make that argument one way or another but we're not going to do it on this show um socially it seemed like Darius and Kenny Moore and other players respected him and had his back and not saying that other players didn't but you would imagine it would be the people that you were around more often than not that would be soured on you, which would be your offensive line group right, or your skills, right. your skill group. Um,
0: and honestly, outside of those two, Chris, like who else on offense? I mean, Kelly. I don't, know, maybe Doyle, but I, I, I mean Taylor again. You know, Jonathan Taylor would praise Putin, right? You know, he just <laughs> and, you know, being facetious with that, but. Um, I don't see him doing it, so what does that do for the team this year? I think that's kind of another layer to this we'll get into more as the rest of the offseason unfolds is the energy, the life, the new blood. We've talked about that at the pace for so much. The fact that Matt Ryan is now in that huddle. Matt Ryan yes. is in those meeting rooms. Yes, you got to perform, but there's a track record and a resume there that the Matt Ryan exit from Atlanta has 0.2. Eight percent of the volatility that Carson Wentz leaving Philly had. So yeah. you don't have guys. I don't think you got a lot of guys. And you know, I hope you guys enjoy the Jacob Tammy interview that we played for you last last podcast. I think it was. Yes. I don't think you have a lot of Colts players texting Falcons, being like, "Dude, how is he, man? I'm hearing all these
1: bad things." Exactly. Whereas
0: you were doing that with Eagles players last year.
1: Yeah, that that is the exact point that that I wanted to make when when you asked about the Carson Wentz stuff. People didn't have necessarily a barometer on him. You know Matt Ryan's been in the league for X number of years. You know that he's been to a Super Bowl. You can see his character right away. There's not, there's no questions with a quarterback like that. So, yes, even though he's older, worst-case scenario, whatever. But I think it just raises the bar. The, the floor is higher than what it was before.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a very, very good way to put it.
1: All right, this one comes from Craig. Kevin, while I, admire, while I admire, I should say, what Chris Ballard has done for the past rushing quarterback, getting a solid player without spending or giving up too much capital, has not done anything for left tackle, wide receiver, tight end, even though there seems to be good value out there. For instance, Robert Woods, a six-round pick, as you mentioned earlier, along with Amari Cooper, for two late second-round picks are those examples. Why do you think he didn't, didn't do more?
0: Yo, Craig, I, I want to take that last part, and I guess it is your question. Why do you think he didn't do more? Chris, I have thought a whole lot about the why. You know, put myself in Ballard's shoes. Put myself in Ballard's brain, if you will, of just like, okay. Wide receiver, I think I know. It's just how Ballard operates. He just doesn't view the position in a free agency light at a very, very high level. Um The draft thing he's kind of gone back and forth on. We've seen him draft Campbell high. We've seen him draft Pittman high. But, you know, he's also mentioned, you know, you can't expect instant impact from that spot there. Um, The one that's really confusing to me, Craig, is offensive tackle and just offensive line depth in general. Like, if you had to, and I I get it, it, it's April 6th, but if you had to name your 6th and 7th offensive lineman right now, I mean, Will Freeze fries. Hell, I should probably learn how to pronounce his name before (laughs) I say it on the podcast. You know, it's like, it it just, there isn't that. Remember a couple off-seasons ago, the biggest regret Ballard had? O-line depth.
1: Yes. Yep.
0: Felt like it cost them the season. And I'm sitting here right now, and I'm looking at it, and like, Danny Pinter, assuming he's the right guard, never started a right guard in his NFL career. I don't know if he ever started at Ball State. Wasn't he mostly a tackle at Ball State? Yep, and Matt Pryor's got one career start at left tackle. So, your O line looks different than it did a couple of years ago when you didn't have a lot of depth, and then the starting experience isn't at that level, and then the depth is in question as well. So, mm-hmm. Craig, I I'm trying to ask the why, and I just I can't get to myself a lot of answers there.
1: All right, Kevin, we're going to wrap up Twitter questions today with the question from Joshua. Most draft boards have the Jaguars and Texans taking the top two defensive ends in the draft. Do you believe that Chris Ballard is already taking that into consideration? Or do you think it's a, quote, we'll cross that bridge when when or if we get there, end quote?
0: Um, I guess you think Josh was asking this of, like, you draft to what your division is doing? I think so. Yeah, I do not Ballard's never really been about that. I mean, sure, you've got to draft to kind of more the NFL— I, you know, Chris, I don't I don't think the Colts are at a point now where you react to what Jacksonville and Houston is doing from a drafting standpoint. Like it's a pass happy league. You've gotta pass the football better and defend the pass better. Flat out. Um so that's how I kinda of look at things. Um,
1: yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that's that's how I'd view it. So um, again, I don't those positions are important. They should be. Finding people that can block them is important. I don't necessarily look at it like you you play reactionary to what the teams in your division do. Uh, you talk about it. You discuss in the offseason. You make sure your positions of weakness are strengthened a bit, and that's how you operate there yeah. with that.
1: And like Kevin, you mentioned earlier, we're kind of on that bell curve of the in between free agency and the draft. So for all of our listeners, we understand we try to bring you as much content as possible as we can. You can always go to 1075thefan.com to read Kevin's articles. We know if you're driving, a lot of times we are creatures of habit and we get used to listening to podcasts that are certain lengths. This one's a little bit shorter, but as we come down that bell curve and head towards a potential reshift of Beers with Bone, which again, we'll keep you updated on, and then also draft scenarios, we can't wait to get your questions and answer those as well.
0: Yeah, it is one of my favorite times of year, and I appreciate you saying that, Chris. Um, So thank you everybody that continue to listen to the podcast. Um, we'll keep it going throughout the off season, and our morning shows Kevin and Query every morning from seven to ten a.m. here um, on the uh, on the fan, and um, we got a good amount of written content as well. So appreciate everybody for listening, Chris Presley. Before we go, your pick to put on the green jacket. Well, two questions. First, does Tiger make the cut?
1: I'm going to say yes, just because driving in, I heard that you were not happy with uh, oh, one Oh, come of your... <laughs> on.
0: Speak your mind. You can't, you know, I'm it's not one looking of the, for you to appease
1: It's me. one of those uh, that, you know what, I need to do my due diligence and start getting better at just watching golf just so we can banner back and forth a little bit more. I don't know necessarily how much Tiger's injuries are. I'm going to say yes just because he's Tiger Woods. Like, to make the cut, I would hope he would. And that also... There's nothing like going into a weekend, especially now that basketball is over and we've been juiced with all this content. It at least gives you something, even if you're not a golf fan, to watch or tune into on yeah. Saturday and Sunday. So, I will say yes, he makes the cut. Your winner, Max Olmo.
0: Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> no. I like it. I like it. A little bit off the rate, a lot off the radar. There, you can make some good money on that.
1: No, yeah, I don't. I don't know if he makes the cut. Is is um. Who is the – I'm going to go Tommy Fleetwood.
0: Okay, another one a little. You guys – hey, you put 10 bucks on those two, that's going to pay out pretty healthy. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with – go with Justin Thomas. I think the fact that he's got Phil Mickelson's old caddy on the bag is huge at Augusta yes. National. We'll go with Justin Thomas. I think Tiger will legitimately make the cut be top 15 or 20. Um, I think by all accounts, he's swinging it really well. 500 days off, walking that golf course. You ever ever played the Coffin? You ever played Fort here in Indianapolis? I've not. Any of our listeners that have, go walk those golf courses, walk 36 in one day and that'd be like walking the Fort probably more so than the Fort has a lot of flat holes too. Um, It's no joke, but I think as long as the body kind of, the pain tolerance gets to the point where it's not impacting his swing, like the dude can just sit on his ass when he gets home at night and whatever. They can, he can take a golf cart as soon as he walks off the 18th hole to wherever he needs to go. Um, this course replicates or I think recognizes history and yep. guys and people that know the golf course more than any other. No one knows it, I think, like Tiger in the field. And uh, I think he's got a legit chance.
1: How awkward do you think it's going to be for Thomas's caddy to not have to walk out of the fairway after shot one or two for oh, a, yeah. For for a for save?
0: Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, a little bit different uh, with the ball striking <laughs> of Justin Thomas versus the spots he's been with Phil Mickelson over the years. But I can't wait. It's one of my favorite weeks of the year, obviously the Final Four. Um, I thought it was terrific. Two of the three games were yes. really, really good. And now we get Masters Week. And after that, Chris... You know, appointment television, boy, we, 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 we kind of struggle for it, especially here in this market with the Pacers.
1: Who predicted the winner?
0: Not having the playoffs. You had Kansas?
1: I picked Kansas when you asked me, yeah.
0: Gosh, congrats. Sorry. I Did you win our office pool? You had to have.
1: I didn't I didn't participate.
0: What? Well, I, I had Purdue. Purdue being Nova. I, I still think if Justin Moore would have been healthy, that game could have been yeah. a little bit yeah Oh, for not. sure. All right, rock chalk there. Congrats to you. On that. He's Chris Pressy I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week. We'll talk to you next week on Kevin's Corner. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.